National Catholic Register. This is Register Radio, bringing light and clarity to the news and topics that affect your life. The U.S. bishops met this week in Baltimore for the fall USCCB assembly, where the elections 2024, pro-life leadership, Eucharistic revival, synod on synodality, and saints were on the agenda. The Register's editor-in-chief, Shannon Mullen, was on the ground in Baltimore. He joins us now with highlights. Then we turn to the sad news of baby Indy Gregory, who died in Great Britain this week after her life support was removed against her parents' wishes. The Register's UK correspondent, K.V. Turley, gives us insights into how Great Britain has come to this point where parents have no power to decide their children's medical care. I'm Jeanette DeMello, Executive Director of the National Catholic Register and Catholic News Agency. I'm your host here on Register Radio, and today we're joined by Shannon Mullen, who is the Editor-in-Chief of the National Catholic Register, who was, for the last few years, the Editor-in-Chief of uh, Catholic News Agency, and uh, now uh, can focus fully on the Register because we have hired a new uh, editor-in-chief for Catholic News Agency, and we'll be introducing him soon. But this week, we talked to Shannon, who was in Baltimore, uh, attending the U.S. Bishops' gathering, covering uh, that gathering with a, a news team. Uh, Shannon, we're grateful to have you here on Register Radio. Thanks for having me, Jeanette. So, Shannon, you were there on the ground. Um, there was a, a heavy agenda, as I, as I mentioned in the intro to, to the show, um, what were the highlights that emerged from this meeting? What what could we say the bishops accomplished there? Well, I I think um, they they did have a pretty a big agenda, being terribly contentious. So I I think one thing that that uh, jumped out at me over the course of the week was just how unified they were on their mm-hmm. agenda items. Um, so I think some of us were expecting more debate, you know, maybe a little more controversy, and there really uh, wasn't that. The, the highlights really, uh, first and foremost, was their update uh, of the introduction to their voting guide. Uh, every four years, uh, Catholics, mostly in their bulletins, will receive information from the bishops uh, putting forth their responsibilities as citizens of the United States, as Catholics, to participate in in elections, to be informed. And this is a document that I think originated in uh, 2007, and then they adopt it, they revise it every four years or so. Um, For now, abortion has been identified as the preeminent concern uh, of the bishops in, in respect to and, and elections and evaluating candidates. Uh, these guys have, have never have made a point to say that, hey, we're not telling you how to vote. We're not telling you who to vote for. We're trying to form the consciences of the Catholic electorate. And in fact, that's the name of the, the document, uh, Forming Faithful con- Consciences. So for um, some time now, abortion has been identified as the preeminent priority. There was some discussion in recent years. Do we still want to say that? What about climate change? What about uh, the migration crisis? What about poverty? You know, those kinds of things. Uh, Do we still want to use that language? 
And in fact, uh, when it came down to a vote, it was 93% of the bishops right. uh, wow. said yeah. yeah. So it was 225 to uh, 11, I think, with a few uh, abstentions. So there was no controversy uh, there, and that was their sort of uh, chief piece of business for this week. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, you mentioned that there was unity. I mean, there was obviously a great deal of unity on, uh, on the, the continuing to call abortion the preeminent uh, issue of, of our of our day, especially when it comes to voting. Um, but, but you also mentioned just all around that there was a lot of unity there. Uh, sometimes if you if you skim heads, headlines, you might not think that was the case. There seemed to be um, s- some media that were sort of juxtaposing uh, Cardinal Christophe uh, Pierre, uh, who is our papal nuncio uh, to the U.S. His address, he always addresses the uh, USCCB assembly um, at the, in the first days of the meetings, and it's, it's usually considered a, almost like a message from the Pope, right? It's just... He is a nuncio. He is um, speaking um, according to the Pope's uh, mind and intentions, we assume. But some juxtaposed his address to the USCCB president, who is Archbishop uh, Timothy um, Broglio. And and that's... um, I'm not sure that that just juxtaposition is 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 just or or necessary. What did each have to say, and and do you think they were at odds in any in any way? Well, the the backstory to that uh, framing of their speeches uh, goes back a week or so ago when an article was published in Review with now Cardinal Pierre in America Magazine, in which he was talking about the Church in the United States, and he, he said some things that were, you know, kind of unflattering. He talked about the empty churches, and nobody's going to Mass, and seems to take a swipe at the um, overall conservative, more conservative um, uh, clergy in the United States, especially the younger clergy, uh, the men in formation, you know, tend to be more traditional, more identical identify as more conservative, and he seemed to take a swipe at that, too. Uh, there's been, you know, several, I would say, uh, characterizations or caricatures of the American Church that have come, we've heard from, you know, various uh, high-level um, uh, leaders in, in the Church internationally and, and at the Vatican. So uh, there was that was sort of the back back story to that, um, and uh, in his remarks, uh, Cardinal Pierre was actually you know somewhat um, uh, conciliatory. Uh, he talked about the two big initiatives that are going on in the U.S. Church right now. One, of course, is driven by Pope Francis and the and the Synod on Synodality, which is still ongoing, and the other is the National Eucharistic Revival. Both of those were sort of culminate in the coming year, and he saw them as united, as being um, uh, a common thread running through both of those. It's not that uh, one is more speaking to the more traditional conservative church and the other is more uh, progressive, that these things go hand in hand. Right. 
Right. And, and uh, uh, Broglio, for his part, um, was really talking also about the synod on synodality and, and areas in our Catholic life here in the U.S. where he sees uh, synodality already at work. Um, so it does seem like they were trying to bridge the, the gap there. Um, I, I, I also know that uh, he had uh, some strong words uh, for Israel um, what, how did he weigh into our, our current world situation um, in, in terms of the, the war happening in the Holy Land? What Archbishop Berlioz had to say was that he really wants Israel and was urging Israel to find a way to negotiate to protect civilians. Uh, he knows that there's really no negotiating with Hamas, uh, mm-hmm. He understands that, and um, and that's really a non-starter. Uh, but there are other parties in play, um, uh, the United States and some of Israel's neighbors, that can play a role to create these sort of uh, corridors, these pauses in the fighting that are going to um, hopefully you know save the lives of innocent civilians who are kind of pent up there. So that's one thing that he stressed in his remarks. Yes, and um, and he he does keep a, a close eye on this. He is the archbishop for uh, the archdiocese of military services, so he's serving servicemen, right? And so this is is of huge importance. And he shared um, messages from some of those uh, those men that they serve, and and just uh, highlighting just how important the Eucharist uh, and uh, the, the the faith in in uh, Eucharistic God uh, Christ's Eucharistic presence is uh, for so many of those servicemen. So his his words are always I, I think very encouraging, um, but but really uh, calling uh, calling for uh, more prayer <laughs> for this important um, situation happening in the Holy Land. So I do want to turn. Um, I mentioned the saints and every every assembly there is usually an approval. Um, of, of uh, causes of saints. There was indeed here um, the servant of God, Isaac Thomas Heckler, who is the founder of the Paulist Fathers uh, in the 19th century. His cause was approved um, to go forward, uh, meaning that uh, it can now be promoted and, and uh, there can uh, it nationally promoted nationally, not just in the diocese where it, it came. And also, there was a call for St. John Henry Newman to be named a doctor of the church. And uh, that's that's really a beautiful push. Um, and I think I'm going to wait until Matthew Bunsen can join me, the, the our, our sort of in-house historian, to kind of give us more about that. Um, so that we can talk more about why St. John Henry Newman is such a great um, uh, theologian and saint for our times. Um, but I do want to ask about something that kind of overshadowed the bishop's conference, and that was uh, the removal of the Bishop of Tyler, uh, that is um, Bishop Strickland, um, from that diocese. He's no longer the Bishop of Tyler. Um, he was in Baltimore, but he did not attend the bishop's conference. And you were able to speak with him there about this situation. Uh, what did you learn talking uh, to uh, Bishop Strickland? Yeah, of course, his ouster came just a few days before the bishops started their meeting. So this this was the Saturday before they gathered in Baltimore on Monday that this news broke. Um, he was there. Uh, he led uh, the recitation of the rosary, both on the um, 
Well, I think every day that he was there, he was outside the uh, hotel in uh, the waterfront Marriott where the meetings were taking place. Technically, he's still a bishop. He's still an American bishop. Uh, he's a, a retired bishop now, but he's completely eligible to have participated in the assembly. Uh, he told us that he was asked by uh, the nuncio, Cardinal Pierre, not to participate this year because it would you know, cause a distraction. But he, there was plenty of distraction because he was outside. Uh, there was a lot of media attention. We talked to him and uh, asked him about sort of what led up to him hearing the news that he was being dismissed, what were some of the reasons he was given, and, um, and, and how he's doing, really. I mean, what he's going to do now, uh, where he's going to live, those types of things we were able to, um, to ask him about. Absolutely. Well, there's a lot of good reporting at ncregister.com about the Bishop's Conference. Um, most of that was provided by Catholic News Agency. Um, but we also have uh, stories about uh, Bishop Strickland and the Diocese uh, of Tyler trying to understand what has happened there and, uh, and always calling for, for prayer um, for uh, the people of Tyler, the Catholics of Tyler, but also for um, Bishop Strickland. It's it's very important at this moment uh, that we not uh, become uh, advocates of, of strife, <laughs> um, but advocates of, of peace um, and and truth and, and and of prayer. So, Shannon, I'm always grateful for your work. I'm I'm very happy. Um, that you are in place as editor-in-chief of the Register and that we can begin to focus together on the Register and, and we can bring Ken Oliver as a, a Catholic News Agency's editor-in-chief on to the show soon. But uh, thanks a bunch for, for your reporting this week. Thanks, Jeanette. When we come back, we'll be joined by K.V. Turley, the Register's UK correspondent, talking about baby Indy Gregory and the sad state of the national health system in the UK. This is Register Radio on EWTN. There's more when we come back. If you need your news on the go, read the register online. But if you want to take your time and savor the stories, then subscribe to the National Catholic Register's print edition. And with award-winning Catholic journalism that goes beyond what you'll find from any secular news service, you'll get the real story behind the events that unfold over the course of the year. Try the register for free today and get it delivered to your home, office, or parish. Join the Catholics who depend on the Register for its faithful and courageous reporting. Get six issues free today online at ncregister.com forward slash radio or call 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. That's ncregister.com forward slash radio or call 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. The National Catholic Register. Read faithfully. The EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Count on us to bring you the splendor of truth. Thank you so much. I thank God every day for EWTN. I just love this station, and everybody is so knowledgeable and helpful. I've learned a lot. At home, at work, or in the car, we're always there for you. Let's return to Register Radio on EWTN. 
Welcome back. I'm Jeanette DeMello, Executive Director of the National Catholic Register and Catholic News Agency. And I'm joined now by K.V. Turley, who is a London-based writer and journalist and a filmmaker, in fact. He's done some work for EWTN, and he is the U.K. correspondent for the National Catholic Register. I usually like to talk to K.V. about things like culture and literature and art. He's the author of a book along with... Uh, Fiorella Di Maria. Uh, it's a novel. It's called This Thing of Darkness. But today we're talking about something that is uh, very serious um, and is is real news. Uh, it's not a novel. It's not fiction. Uh, and unfortunately, it reflects a terrible culture. And this is the death of an infant, a British infant, uh, Indy Gregory, who died November 13th after her life support was removed over the weekend following a UK court order. Um, little baby uh, Indy was eight months old. She had a congenital degenerative mitochondrial disease. Um, this is something where there's no cure, but there is treatment. And um, that treatment, some of that treatment was denied. Uh, she died in her mother's arms in hospice. And there was a statement released by uh, concerned Christians, Christian concerned, saying that the parents were angry, heartbroken, and ashamed. The NHS, that's the national health system in the UK, and the courts not only took away her chance to live a longer life, but they also took away Indy's dignity to pass away in the family home where she belonged. So there's a lot of sadness around this case. It was covered around the world. There was a lot of interest in the United States. Uh, KV, you uh, and our team have been discussing this case and how to understand it. Um, this is not the first time this has happened uh, in the UK where there was disparity between what the parents wanted for a child and what the UK hospitals and the government decided. What happened in this particular case? Well, as you said, uh, Jeanette, first of all, uh, thanks for having me on. It's good to be with you again. Um, this is becoming a little bit of a pattern. Uh, the name Charlie Gard probably rings a bell, and then mm -hmm. Alfie Evans. Um, it's funny, I was looking back at the Charlie Gard case, and I was doing some research and some of the news coverage of that, and I found a really interesting article from the Observer newspaper, which is to the left in terms of politics, so it's no friend of pro-life causes in the past. But this article back in 2017 says that there are 10 cases like Charlie Gard before the English courts at this time, 10 cases. And that was back in 2017. So what we're seeing with the Indy Gregory's and the Charlie Gard's and the Alfie Evans is really the tip of an iceberg by the sounds of things. There is something very, very wrong. And I mean, I think on any human level, um, putting aside the maybe complex legal medical issues, which were argued out in court, leaving that aside, the fact which you've alluded to that uh, Baby Indy was granted Italian citizenship in an emergency move by the Italian premier so that the child could go straight to Italy, straight to the hospital uh, and receive treatment there. Now, the treatment may have worked, it may not have worked, but it right. was certainly something that the parents very much desired. And their court battles for the last number of months have really been about who has ultimate authority over what is in the best interests of this child. Right. Because that was the very cold 
chilling, if you like, judgment from the British High Court, which was that it was not, quotes, in the best interest of the child, close quotes, to go to Italy to receive treatment. And basically the English courts washed their hands and said, no, the child is going to die. Yeah. Right, so it's such an amazing thought that uh, death is in the best interest of the child. And, and you see this kind of thinking when it comes to things like euthanasia or assisted suicide. Um, you know, throughout the world, there are, are governments or, or even sometimes electorates that are trying to decide if, the, if that is um, a way of medicine, right? And it seems that this has run... Uh, you know, really run its course in the UK. It is the way of medicine, um, and that is it, it is chilling, as you've said. Um, how how did you how did the UK get to this point? Well, I think I mean it's interesting because there's another story which uh, uh, was published this week about the uh, gentleman who is before an English court for praying outside one of these so-called safe mm-hmm. zones. His name is Adam Scott, uh, Adam Smith Connor. And it was really interesting interviewing him because he is, I think, very, very typical of so many British people. He, was, he grew up without any religion and uh, basically thought, had, had been told that abortion was simply a medical procedure. Didn't really know what it was. So he himself uh, had his own child aborted, and that's why he is so involved now in the pro-life movement. And he only came to a pro-life understanding, really, when he became a Christian. That's how he started to understand that life had value. And I think that there, this, I mean, I, d- I don't want to reach to it for it too quickly, but I do think that there's something about the fact that we have had 55 years of legalized abortion in the United Kingdom. And I think that that has seeped in to our medical establishment and now our legal establishment. And I think that that has, there's also the push for euthanasia, which is very much down the line as well. And I think this culture of death is so embedded in our legal medical establishment that this is the rotten fruit. This is what we're seeing. Decisions which on any human level any human level, any, I know you're a mother, Jeanette, there yeah. is no way that a mother or a father or anybody else standing looking on wouldn't say, let's get this child to Italy. Let's at least try. Right. It will make the loss of the child just that little bit easier for these parents. Whereas they, the high court wouldn't even allow the child to die at home. Right. Uh, it's un, it's unheard of. I mean, even in those last moments, the, the family could not make that choice uh, to be in their own home. Uh, you know, there is a silver lining, and it's so hard to transition from, from that kind of darkness to something that actually was bright. <laughs> and, um, and this is that sh- she was baptized. Um, we talk about the causes of this, and you say the cause in part could be, you know, acceptance of abortion as medicine. But another cause is the, the, the fact that the country is no longer religious. You know, there isn't a Christian ethos in, in the UK for the most part any longer. These parents were irreligious. Um, they, but they decided to have Indy baptized. Why? Why? What do we know about that decision? Well, I'm going to give you a quote which uh, Mr. Gregory, Mr. Dean Gregory, the father of Indy, uh, told an Italian newspaper, and he said this. 
When I was in court, I felt like I had been dragged to hell. I thought that if hell exists, then heaven must also exist. It was as if the devil was there. I thought that if the devil exists, then God must exist. So he wanted to send his little child to heaven. And the people that were helping him, the, peop- the only people who were concerned were Christians, Christian concern in this country, the, the legal people who were trying to help his case, and also the Pope and uh, Catholic Italy. Catholic Italy mm-hmm. was opening its arms and saying, send the child to us, doing right. all it could. And I think that this had a deep impression on Mr. Gregory. You're absolutely right. He's a man of no religion at the moment. I don't think that'll last, actually. But uh, he is, again, somebody who, in a way, secular Britain has failed. You know, we, we, the UK is where you don't want to go in the US, that's for sure, because we have a society now which is so secular. Uh, and this is, this is the fruit of it. This is what happens. We have people arrested for praying on the street, and we have babies uh, being denied even the possibility of dying at home in the arms of their parents. Yeah. I mean, that's that. this is the culture of death, lived out in real time here, live in the UK. And it is absolutely chilling on so many levels. What I would say, Jeanette, because I think you're right, we have to, as Christians, we have to say like St. Paul, death, where is your sting? Death, where is your victory? Right. In, in this case, there is victory only for that little child, which today is in heaven. And I don't, say, I don't say that lightly because we know it was an innocent child that was baptized and that little Indy is now in heaven and she will be interceding for Dean and her mother and for everybody else that helped her. So that's the silver lining. As we know, the devil always overplays his hand. And in this case, we have another little child in heaven and we have a little intercessor. But also we have another case which will hopefully wake up good people of goodwill to say, is this the society we want? Is this really the society we want where these children are being offered up on some bureaucratic uh, sacrificial altar? Absolutely. You know, KV, you've said it so wonderfully. We have another writer at ncregister.com that also wrote on that very fact of death not having its day, Satan not having um, the final victory. And that was a, sto- uh, a column written by uh, Christian Brueger. There will surely be a divine reckoning for baby Indy's death. And I think we do need to pray, um, pray deeply for uh, the culture in, in your country and in ours. And I'm very grateful for the work you've do- you're doing uh, to illuminate the culture there uh, and also uh, for your time on this call. So I uh, invite our listeners to go to ncregister.com. You'll find a lot of commentary there, analysis, and news. So check out ncregister.com. Thanks for joining us here on Register Radio on EWTN. Uh, for my producer, Jeff Burson, and for myself, Jeanette DeMello, until next week, I pray that God bless you. For more information about the National Catholic Register and about Register Radio, go to ncregister.com. Podcasts of Register Radio are posted on ncregister.com and on EWTN.com. Join us next week at this time for Register Radio on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.